0: Hello and welcome to the Pulp Diction Podcast. Welcome back, I should say. It's been a minute. Um, Joined in Granada, Spain, by one Danny Young. Uh, Very special podcast to get the brother back on. Uh, Haven't seen him in a while, so I came out to visit him in Spain, and uh, it's been a fun trip. Figured we'd fire up the podcast for the listeners who missed Danny. Especially considering that... His, uh, his two bets uh, that were basically deemed the most bummish by Nick and I have been wildly entertaining to follow all year. So we'll talk his John MVP bet, we'll talk his Rockets win the title bet, and we'll get into some other NBA topics. So Danny, what's
1: up? What up? Very happy to be back on the pod. I've missed it. I've followed along. And just to pre-gloat, because we will talk about this, uh, the take that I got the most flack for... And has been, I think, the most correct is uh, Sixers to make the playoffs. And I did say, as the sixth
0: seed. And they are sitting in the sixth seed position. Um, Yeah, I admitted defeat like 15 games in on the Sixers thing. Maybe 20. It Like, basically, I didn't think Simmons would be as ready as he was. And he was incredibly ready. I thought that for anybody in the NBA, a lack of a jump shot was a huge problem. But when you come in... With comparable physical and mental tools to LeBron James, aside from shooting, it's fine. You just figure it out, and that's what he's done. He also shoots
1: preposterously well at the like running baby hook shot. He's kind of like a
0: magic like that, yeah, like he's useful inside of it ten feet, like he's super useful, um which is good anyway let's uh let's get right into it. let's hit um and just tell me when I should start pouring out our tea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the listeners. We are drinking tea right now. Um, Giannis MVP bet. So, sadly, I think it's time to give up on that. I think even if Harden misses the rest of the year, he wins it over Giannis. Um, it was a good bet. You had it at ten 10-1. His odds after the first week when Giannis basically lit the world on fire dropped to, like, 2-1, to 1, and it instantly seemed really smart. Um, but, you know, I think the issues with the bet that... Were present in the beginning of the season remained throughout. It it just wasn't, the team wasn't going to be good enough to get him where he needed to go, and he really still can't shoot at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that
1: Giannis is able to just drive at will, save for people stuffing the box with, like, three, four guys, but that's what teams do. And, yeah, MVP, it's trite to say, but it is a team award. You can't do it alone, so, Yeah. I'm happy to throw in the towel on that one. Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna bet. I, I mean, you, you, yeah, fire that up. I mean, you. Um, if you think back to Durant's MVP season, um, that he won with the Thunder, he basically got 20 games out of Westbrook. He had a Baca, and then from then on, it was like maybe rookie year Stephen Adams, so he wasn't really himself yet. Like rookie ish, second year Robertson, like. Kendrick Perkins. Like, this was not an, a good team. An ancient Derek Fish. Yeah, Derek. Pretty Matt Barnes whooping. I think this was during the Matt Barnes affair, if I have my timing right. So, D fish mid-affair with Matt Barnes' wife. Um, or, yeah. Uh. And, like, that... You could definitely make the case that the Thunders cast that year was worse or comparable to Jonas's cast in, in Milwaukee, and no one's gonna come sit here and say that Scotty Brooks was his visionary coach. Um... So, like, it can be done with the supporting Cassianas has. I just think he's he's not being used to his fullest, and I think he's still a flawed player. Like, Durant really doesn't have a flaw if he's going to play defense totally engaged. Like, he doesn't have a flaw on the basketball court, not a single one. Well, he's
1: also dumb efficient, which really helps for, like, the not-great-team MVP award. I mean, Russ did the opposite, but... Which I guess is would be more likely the Giannis path to MVP to just that's what shoot I, forty times. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought he could do it. I thought he would take every shot and only pass if someone was wide
0: open. But here is the thing: is like if he's just getting triple teamed and you don't have a lot of spacing on the floor, you know that's whatever. And the team does just completely suck without him. Like he's really propping them up. Um, I think that playing him next to a traditional center. This is everyone on the internet's point. But playing him next to a traditional center is not that smart. I think Giannis has excellent lateral speed for a seven-footer, but casting him as a small forward defensively is not super smart, in my opinion. And he's as good at rim protecting as anybody, and he's like a big dude. Um, I mean, short of going up against Embiid or Karl-Anthony Towns, I would roll Giannis out there against any center in the NBA. Um,
1: I think that's doubly true on even more so on offense, because, I mean, Giannis can dunk over his own players like he can dunk over other people's, but clogging the lane more than it already is is never going to help him.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, like, you think about the value that someone like Draymond Green has offensively, where he handles the center on the other side of the floor and then can play point guard. Like, who does the center guard? It fucks up any center in the game. Giannis would do that to the nth degree, because Giannis is a 30-point-per-game scorer that needs to be covered by, like... I mean, right now he's basically unguardable one on one, aside from playing ten feet off him and hoping he shoots. Um, but I think, I mean, you you do you don't want to burn through your guys, and like Kerr is very smart about not playing Draymond at center too much. But I think if we go through this playoff series, Giannis you know, doesn't play center for half the game. You know, especially in an elimination game, which they'll definitely face at some point. I think that's just a travesty. Um, Danny, what? Uh, what do you think about his ability to fit with Jabari? Because this is kind of the Bucks' main main question going forward. They've got—right now their roster is basically Giannis getting paid a ton there forever. Middleton is an excellent role player. He's not going anywhere. Parker, they have to decide if they want to sign big money or not. And their other role players are Eric Bledsoe they just traded for and it's kind of a weird fit. John Henson, Thonmaker, Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's nice. Yeah, brogdon has been out most of this year. It has been tough for him, but I, I really like him
1: as a So I've I have not watched a lot of Bucks recently. Will you catch me up? Has when did Jabari get back from injury and how has he played? He came back from his ACL they did last
0: year semi recently. Um he's may play like 10, 15 games, if I'm not mistaken. He's I mean, he is who he is, right? He's he's who he has been, I should say. He's an excellent offensive player. Um, he's canning threes now, too, which was somewhat of a concern. Um, great one-on-one scorer, has just unlimited bag of tricks. Doesn't really move the ball that much on offense and will give you nothing defensively. Um, he's... I think the the comparison for him coming out of school is Carmelo, and that's probably the fairest. I think Carmelo is a better shooter. Um and better player in general, but Jabari, like, that's that's kind of the skill set you're working around. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think to play with Giannis, they need to... Giannis is a different player, but they need to try and do, like, I mean, what OKC hasn't done, but what they should have done and tried to do, which is just, like, open it up and have a lot of really good shooters and passers to you know, keep the perimeter spaced so Giannis can have maximum drive. Yeah. Um so Jabari's canning three is nice say they do it, but are they really gonna have to pay him massive money having been injured so much?
0: That's that's a fascinating question, especially because everyone in the NBA blew their wad salary cap wise like two years ago. So like if this was two years ago, someone would have thrown thirty million a year at Jabari, like hands down. Um this year Jabari and his agents are definitely holding out for that kind of max extension level uh deal. And it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks are like, because I think he's restricted free agent this year. It'd be interesting to see if the Bucs are like, all right, go out and sign an offer sheet. Like we'll match it maybe. And see what people think. I mean, two ACL surgeries is two ACL surgeries. Like, that's bad on the same ACL. Um, as right. we'll talk about later with D
1: Rose. <laughs> right. And I was about to say, like, in this kind of process era where you see a Philly come back from their stars having injuries, injuries and, you know, living up to their potential. But those weren't ACL
0: tears in the same way. Yeah. Well, so when beads were, were awful, right? They were like back fracture, foot break, <laughs> like, like shit, that was bad. Simmons's was. Just broke his foot. Right? He like rolled his foot on someone. Like that was just shitty luck. Like that's. I'm not going to sit here and say he's injury brown remotely. Markel Fultz might... I don't know what to say about him. He might just not play basketball. But anyway... I think the Bucks had two critical issues this year. Neither were Jabari Parker. Um, one was that their coach... Although JK did a great job developing Giannis, I think he was the worst in-game coach by far. Um of any NBA coach and just rolling out these really weird lineups and this bad defensive scheme and this bad offensive scheme and just uh, everything was bad. So they got rid of him. That was smart. They, they basically thrown in an interim coach. Um, who's, I don't even remember his name. He's been very uninspiring and, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they hire as we saw with the Warriors dynasty, like hiring a good coach can just bump a team up three levels. Uh, especially if the previous coach is leaving a lot of meat on the bone, um, as Mark Jackson was when he had Steph shooting twenty footers and Clay posting up all the time. Um, That's dusty. So yeah, I think getting a big, a really good coach jumps the team up a couple levels. I also think Eric Bloodsoe is a terrible fit on this team. Yeah, I was about to chirp that. I He's, I don't understand no that sense. acquisition at all. I mean, like if you look at his body type, and you're like, all right, six two point guard with like. Rondo arms are just gigantic arms. Can switch across a bunch of positions. You could roll out a frightening defense with Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, Malcolm Brogdon, and anybody who's competent. Um, And if you know Jabari is the fifth guy there, you're still a great defense. You just hide Jabari as best you can. Um, The problem is that that's not how Eric Bledsoe works mentally. He's a guy who's like very much trying to get his shots. On offense, and loves to dribble the ball, and loves to like, like he's going to take eighteen shots a game if you play him starters minutes, which is awful because he's he's a point guard that doesn't really get to the rim in an elite way and can't shoot that well.
1: Yeah, and I feel like uh, you know Milwaukee's at their best when Giannis has the ball in his hands, like James Harden style, just or James Harden pre Chris Paul, where he just started every possession with the ball. And I think they could have done much better to not get an Eric Bloodstone and to play, I don't know, just whoever their best guard is that can shoot threes or
0: go out and get a guard that can shoot threes yeah. at an elite level. I'd want, like, Indiana Pacers, George Hill for that spot, right? I want someone who's totally content taking the fourth or fifth most shots, plays really hard defense, makes smart passes, can make open threes. I don't need anything else.
1: I think it would be nice for them to have, like, a really good shooter in that spot. If they're going to go out and I sign mean, someone. I mean, yeah, it's always
0: great to have a good shooter. Because both. they don't really have any, except the ones that come off the bench. That's true. Between between Parker, Middleton, and Brogdon, that's decent to really good shooting. Like, like I think Middleton's up usually around 40%. Brogdon, yeah, Brogdon can Brogdon get up there. Really Parker should be up there. I mean, that's great shooting, especially around Giannis. Um, and then you just need... You need a point guard that's not Eric Bledsoe, I think. Um, you also need a good coach. So I think this team... Like, this is a team I could see winning 60 games next year with the right coach and the right signing. Like, that's in play 100%. It's also in play that they pay Jabari $30 million, he can't stay on the court, they hire a dumb coach. And we look at Giannis and just looking really depressed for five years until he gets out of just a sinking ship. Um, but anyway... Do you, uh, I don't know what your knowledge level is of the, the NBA coaches who are available. Can you think of a coach, maybe one who's on the outs at a current job or on the market that you'd want for the Bucks? Hmm,
1: That's a good question. Um, is, is it still tense in L.A. with, uh, what's his name? Luke
0: Walton. Yeah. Um, if LeBron was brought in and said he wanted a different coach, Luke Walton would be fired tomorrow. Well, but that, would, that applies
1: everywhere. Any coach everywhere, basically, aside from, like, the best three. Yeah, um, you know,
0: he's, he's not, he's fine. He's not on, like, extremely firm footing. Yeah. You want Luke Walton? I think it would just
1: be good for them to get, like, a chill coach and a shoot-first coach and, like, completely roll back their stupid, like, press defense into something much more reasonable and relaxed and... Yeah, they've rolled that back a bit.
0: They're still just, like, bad on defense for reasons I don't totally get. I feel like the whole point of their
1: ridiculously long construction was to be good at defense.
0: I mean, that's that's just kind of how I feel like they should be, right? Like, that OKC, the OKC teams are always really good. Um, They were, like, decent on defense in the regular season, but they had, like, a nitrous gear on defense in the postseason where they could just, like, swallow teams whole. Um, and that's really how they got the Warriors to seven games in 2016. Is they were switching all this stuff between Durant and Ibaka and Robertson and Westbrook. There's just so many limbs on the court that like you couldn't make passes. Um, but yeah, I think
1: I don't know who I'd want for coach.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough. Like it's really tough to hire a good coach. Like there's like four of them in the NBA. (laughs) Um. I mean, I would take Fisdale. I think he's – at least we've seen him be a good coach before. Um, Dave Yeager I always thought was, like, a decent coach and for some reason left the dysfunctional Memphis team to go to an extremely dysfunctional Kings team. Um, I, I feel like between those two guys, with Fisdale it would be a lot of, like, slash and kick. He'd run, like, a Miami-ish offense. I think it would be nice. Um Nice for Giannis to to have a system to fall back on a bit and start learning team basketball because he really only knows ISO stuff um, because that's just what he's had to do. Um, I'd like Fizdale, I'd like Jaeger. Jaeger, I think coaches defense well. Um, really, just someone who's like smart and understands that they have a generational freak talent in Giannis and can can do something smart with it. What about uh, Brown off Kerr's bench, Mike Brown? Yeah. I've seen the Mike Brown show before too many times. He he was famously hired by the Cavs, fired with, like, four years on his deal. And I think he was rehired during the same deal and then fired again. Like, <laughs> there may have been overlap where he was paid by two separate contracts for the Cavs. But it just, it. I've seen him as a head coach. I'm like, no thank you. Like, I'm just done. Um, I just don't need it. Like, and everyone will point to, oh, Mike Brown, like, ran the Warriors. Oh, like, you know, Luke Walton at the Warriors 3 n 4 or whatever, whatever. That's still curse coaching. That's courage system. That's courage culture. That's curse everything. Right. And just because you're the steward, like, that's not the hard part of coaching. The hard part of coaching is not sitting there and making subs and clapping during timeouts. The right. hard part of coaching is, like, setting culture, developing sets, game planning, that kind of shit. But my only reason for suggesting him is just that
1: the perfect coach for... Well, basically anywhere, but for Milwaukee in particular, I think would be Kerr. So you got to get the closest thing you can. That's why my suggestions were Luke Walton. Because they must have learned. I mean, I, I'm i not clapping them on the back for their stewardship.
0: but Luke very much runs a Kerr system. I think Mike Brown would... I don't know what he would do. He's definitely... He has to know what works, right? And has seen it and would bring some stuff. But I don't know what Mike Brown would do. Um, anyway, let's bop on to... Uh, Your other bet, Rockets to win the title at 15 to 1. Very much in play. You could probably get this now for 4 or 5 to 1. I Um, wish I'd put real cash on it. I felt good about that prediction. It might have been even bigger than 15 to 1. I think it was 15 to 1. Anyway, basically, I I know it's like March Madness and people haven't really been watching. As well, they shouldn't because this is like kind of crappy NBA part of time. Um, But. Like, basically, in the last week, the Warriors have just put a stamp and mailed out their chances in the one seed. Um, they, like, Stav's been and now with ankle injuries, just every time he rolls it, they're sitting him three weeks, even though he, you know, he saw him dancing at his 30th birthday. He's, he's fine. <laughs> um, this is a playoff game he'd be playing. Uh, Durant's sitting, like, two weeks with, like, a, a rib contusion, which I think is just a way to get him rest. Um, Clay has a fractured finger, which... Shooting thumb, actually, which is awful. Um, and they say he'll be back within the month, but that's that's very concerning to me. Um, anyway, like the Warriors are a little banged up. They're like, whatever, we're just gonna, you can have the one seed, we're two games back, need the tiebreaker, take it. We're 12 games up on the three seed, we'll just start chilling hard. And they, <laughs> it's not like the coaching staff is against this, like, they were at the 30th birthday party, they canceled practice the next day. Um, I I think the Warriors are looking at this. They're like, all right, every day the 8th seed changes. You know, it's so much more important that we're, like, on all cylinders than, oh, we got home court for one more game against the Rockets or, oh, we got, you know, whoever instead of whoever because it could be anyone in the 8th seed at this point. I think they are just like, fuck it. And I think it was a smart decision, um, particularly with how old, like, their role players are um to just not be playing tense games right now because there's these games are now i think these games take on so little importance for the warriors now they can basically just be out there in a tune-up people have kind of accepted the fact they're gonna get the two seed um danny what uh does that get make you more bullish on the rockets that they're the one seed or are you like whatever same deal they still have to win four games Yeah,
1: I mean, to me, it's. I think that Golden State is doing what's best for them. I think that, you know, humans cannot live in a constant state of stress and going for, you know, empire-type levels of championships. There has to be an aura of chill, which Kerr definitely brings to the table. And I feel like all the great coaches, I mean, certainly Phil Jackson, I feel like Pop in his own way, not in the same way, but there's some aura of, like, yeah, they all they all go out for dinner and like drink
0: wine and hang out after
1: games. Like there's, right. They're not really stressing themselves out, so I don't think that's a problem for the Warriors. And to... the
0: Spurs keep a lot of international guys on there just to keep it chill. True. Yeah. Definitely. Chill with Europeans as yeah.
1: as you've learned living abroad. Yeah. No. Got to get. Can't have too much of that American work ethic. It's it's <laughs> too heavy. Like Boris D.L. Alone probably like just brought the the vibe down the like, <laughs> yeah. two levels. Same with Manu. I mean, Manu at this point must be just Manu's the man. chilling. Um, yeah, on the Rockets for one. Like, I'm even though it wasn't my bet, I'm I would love to see Harden get the MVP just because he's almost in LeBron territory of the like being shafted on MVPs, going second in voting two years in a row on years he really could have came away with it.
0: Um, yeah, he fell short to that first step MVP, but the players voted Harden. Like, that's, like, he was really good that year. Steph's team just won more games. Right, and then he he had a dysfunctional Dwight Howard year, and then he got shafted last year. Uh, Yeah, and on the
1: other side of the coin, on the Steph thing, because he had a way better team year, I mean, not even comparable team year, and lost to Russ because Russ had stupid amounts of
0: triple-doubles. He lost to Russ because triple-doubles are, like, an easily graspable concept. So Harden was, like, 28 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. Westbrook was 30 points, 10 assists, 11 rebounds.
1: Oh, way less efficient on a
0: dusty way less efficient on a worse team. Yeah, helping out no one on the floor, whereas Harden was like flinging ahead passes, hockey assisting all the time. Yeah, it, it it remains. History will look back on the fact that people were just voted for Russ and and frowned upon it. And anytime you talk to a Russ voter, they're like the triple doubles. Like, they don't have, like, a rational response. You just hear the word triple-double yeah. come out quickly. It's just so hard to get a triple-double in the
1: NBA, is what all the, like, you know, But it's like TNT countdown guys would say. Isn't
0: it so hard to get a 28-11-9 in the yeah, NBA? exactly.
1: Like, it's goofy. But anyways, <sighs> I'm just hoping that this is Harden's year. And I think the, the Rockets, like, what I saw in the preseason— is in in addition to being deeper than the Warriors and having other skills that the Warriors are less flush in, uh, they're shooting just as well. And, like, they only have one Harden, and, you know, the Warriors have Steph and Clay, but basically every player the Rockets put in their rotation, aside from, like, a
0: couple centers, can absolutely bury deep threes all game. Yeah, that's a very important point, I think. Like... If you go past the Clay-Steph-Durant trio. Oh, t- Durant. Yeah, there we go. You go past Clay-Steph-Durant, who are three of the best 10 three. shooters ever, whatever. You have a lot of non-shooters. Draymond's a bad shooter. Petrullia McGee don't shoot outside of the paint. Um, David West has like a 16-footer. Um, Iguodal and Livingston are both guards without three-point shots. Patrick McCall has no three-point shot. So now you're looking at swaggy p and omri Caspi is your only other shooters on the team i do think swaggy p is gonna get really hot in these playoffs but... I, dude like i like swaggy p i like him as the ninth man on a title team but i was saying this with nick like the idea that he might take iggy's place in a death lineup is frightening to me it, not fright. nothing's frightening the worst the idea that Nick Young is taking over Iggy's place in the death lineup is an awful sign for their development as a team.
1: Mm, I mean, he just reigns threes, you know, and their system is built around reigning threes. To me, like I like him as like a six man, not a six man, but like leading the bench mob and taking a lot of
0: shots when you know you're resting most of your starters. I think you can't overstate the defensive drop off from the level Iguodala brought in the playoffs previously to Nick Young. Well, they—I don't think they would put him in. They,
1: it Dude, would be a death Iggy lineup.
0: Bad. By, it'd be a death
1: lineup by a different name, you know, because Iggy's gonna get out there in the playoffs and certainly play
0: good D and good team ball. And like, I think the worry for the Warriors is that they've, they really their strength and numbers. Like their depth was sick that first title run. It was still, it was obviously awesome the seventy three win season. Even last year, it was they were less deep. I think at this point. I mean, we'll see with Iggy, right? If Iggy's giving you—if he's living up to whatever contract he signed this offseason, $16 million a year, that's—they win the title easily. But if Iggy—if Iggy's crap, if he looks like he's looked like in the regular season, I mean, Livingston's been bad. McCaw won't see the floor. I, I, I don't—I think if you're going up against Houston and they're trying to roll out Nick Young and Rockets are like, all right, put him in pick-and-roll every play— Nick Young, you're deciding this season defensively for the Warriors. That's not great. Um, the converse of that, though, or how I got to this point, you're right that Houston has just an embarrassment of riches shooting the ball. Yeah, basically um, everyone on their yeah, team is so, like a
1: 35-plus percent three-point
0: shooter. So I think their starting lineup right now is Paul Harden, Ariza, P.J. Tucker, Capella. Paul Harden and Rees are all over 40%. They're excellent shooters. P.J. Tucker, too. It must be, like, high 30s. PJ is like, high 30s. And then also brings, like, a ton of defensive intensity. And then you bring off the bench, Eric Gordon, who's a 40% shooter, maybe 38. Ryan Anderson, who's a 40% shooter, easy from three. Luke Richard and Bob Mute, who makes them from the corners. Um, Gerald Green, <laughs> who might heat check, might be awful, but can shoot threes and you would still cover on the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Everyone in their rotation shoots threes except for Capella, Capella. and Anne. Yeah. Who will always be the role men. Like this team makes a ton, a ton, a ton of sense. Yeah.
1: This um, is like one of the best constructed NBA teams, I think, in recent memory. Like they make so much sense. The whole way they play together
0: and they have the perfect coach for the style they play too. Yeah. I think this is a masterclass display of team construction. This is my biggest argument for why LeBron would go to the Rockets. He's always picked players he wants to play with, and I think what the biggest thing he lost going back from Miami to Cleveland was the stability of ownership and coaching, like the people organizing the team. <laughs> like the drop off from Spo to Tyloo is just embarrassing. Like Spo is brilliant. he not to mention from
1: um what's his name I'm blanking g m the heat g m yeah, that's that. Pat Riley from Pat Riley to mid season
0: firing of g m like two times Pat, R- <laughs> Pat Riley's Empire to David Griffin getting fired while swinging a three team trade and then they hired Kobe Altman and then Kobe Altman like made those trades the deadline, and like you can kind of tell which people usually it's like at least look through the read between the lines but you can kind of tell which executives are leaking what stories to writers there it was just in the story like Kobe Altman just went to all the writers after he did those trades and they won like two games and he's like look at me on the shit yeah I thought this yeah I thought that it all panned out and then the team's like okay now <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway yeah That Rockets team is so well-constructed. Daryl Morey just nailed every fringe signing, which is why I was really bullish in the beginning of the season. Um, And, like, you look at this team, like, everyone can shoot offensively. Defensively, they have a ton of guys to throw at Durant. They have P.J. Tucker, Trevor Reza, Luka Char, and Bob Mute. All three are qualified to cover him. They have a ton of guys to throw at Curry between, well, I guess it's just Chris Paul, but Chris Paul can do it. Gordon can do it for a time. Um, Steph has made a history of, I mean, not that, like,
1: highlight reels are what you should note, but uh, yeah. actually putting Chris Paul on the floor. That's very
0: true that he has those, he has two sick highlights against Chris Paul. And they have beef going back to, um, the Warriors were knocked out of the playoffs, I think, twice by the Clippers. Or at least the last season before they won the title, before Kerr got there, they were knocked out by the Clippers. Um, and Paul's really good at getting cheeky, annoying fouls called against Steph that always pissed me off, but... Um, I would love to see if LeBron went to the Rockets,
1: it would just be like, that's why I think he's going to go there. It's like a functional team. Well, he, I mean, one small, like little, you know, on the like celeb gossip side of NBA fandom is like LeBron always wanted to play with the other 2003 guys. Uh, D Wade's done. Melo's done. Chris yeah. Paul's the only one left that's a little icing on the cake yeah. you know to going there that's a
0: big part of why he'd go there i think the the major impediment for me would be if if a the rockets are too good and it feels like durant like he's it feels like a durant move for lebron like if the rockets beat the warriors and go to the finals i don't see how lebron could go there without being like called like a ring chaser um would he really care, though?
1: He's still prime Brown, and it seems like it'll last forever, but all things end, and... His goal is to be thought of as better than Jordan. Yeah, and he could go put, like,
0: five rings I know, in, like, seven seasons like, in the No one argues that, like, Robert Horry is better than Jordan. He had seven rings. It, at a certain point, like... And he would obviously... It's a stupid argument. He'd be the best player in the Rockets if he went there, but... I think if the Rockets get beat convincingly by the Warriors, he can go there and it's fine. I think if the Rockets beat the Warriors, he can't go there. I think if they lose a close series, he could probably go there and it'd be fine. Um, I don't know. I, I
1: think he could go if they won. I don't
0: see... I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. I just mean, like, no one will think he's better than Jordan if the Rockets win the title and then he joins them and they rip off three titles.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just think, like... Jordan had such a ridiculously good team for every championship. Jordan never won a conference final before he had a really, really good team. So and this like,
0: is where it swung a bit. like first everyone forgot about Scotty, they're like Jordan never partied up or whatever. It's like, well, he had Scottie Pippen, he was like one of the best players ever. But especially that last three Pete dude, I mean they had a solid team. But they had Kerr. Kerr was dude, Kerr was like a
1: seventh man. They had coach. Kukoc was solid. They had Rodman, who was, like,
0: a Draymond of his time. So, I'm saying by the last, the 98 title, Scotty Pippen's, like, having, like, back spasms. He can't really move. Kukoc is, like, fine. Rodman's, like, has, like, 20% of his sanity. Rodman's very close to, like, North Korea Rodman face. <laughs> <laughs> um And Jordan, like, won the title basically by taking, like, 35 shots a game and just dragging the team there. And they played, like, good team defense. Um, Yeah, like, Jordan never played with a combination of talent like Harden and Paul.
1: Yeah, but why wouldn't LeBron sign, like, his classic LeBron one-year deal in Houston and maybe if he wins one championship and it's easy, do something else? I don't see why
0: he wouldn't want to go to the best team he possibly could. I think I, I think he's going to go there. I just still think um, I think he can't if they win the title. But look, I think um, that's neither here nor there. I think with the Rockets, what they need to do if they're going to win this win this series, first of all, they have to get there, which we'll talk about later. I think if there's a certain draw for them that would really fuck with them in the opening round. Like who? Um, I'm going to save it for later in the pod. (laughs) But I think the time... Golden State really hasn't been burned by this yet, but they routinely roll out lineups in most games, and they'll do it for like four minutes at the beginning of the second and fourth quarter, that are Livingston, Iguodala, Clay, Draymond Green, David West. That lineup is pretty historic by NBA's... modern NBA standards, because... Livingston and Iguodala can't shoot. Draymond Green can't shoot. David West can make like an 18-footer, and they just run Clay off screens. Like most sets with that team is David West getting like a post-touch and trying to pass to someone. And they move beautifully, and it's an elite defensive unit between Draymond and Clay and Iggy. But if you rolled out something, if you're Houston, and you roll out like Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, Ryan Anderson, and Ney, like you get, you run that non Harden unit against them with Paul and a bunch of shooting. I think that would really fuck with them because like Draymond Green's the best fener in the world for my money, but I don't really know what he does in this lineup. Like he wouldn't want him covering Chris Paul. And like, does he just go stand next to Ryan Anderson? Like that's kind of a waste of Draymond Green. You just have Ryan Anderson stand at midcourt and Draymond's out of the play. Um, Most logically, guard like PJ Tucker probably. I guess you'd put Draymond on Dene and you put David West on Ryan Anderson. But anyway, it, it it's weird for Draymond and David West to to cover this lineup. You can spread the shit out of them on offense. You probably still get a, a decent offense uh, going against this lineup, and you can completely swallow them. Like I don't see how Livingston Igudala Clay Draymond David West scores against that team. Because Ryan Anderson can hide on you know whoever he wants, basically, between Livingston and Iguodala. Nene sticks David West. P.J. sticks Draymond. Eric Gordon sticks whoever. And Paul sticks Clay. Or Paul sticks Livingston. Eric Gordon sticks Clay. Anyway, I think Houston can consistently win that. You know what? Quarter in, quarter out. In that specific lineup, though, the one thing that... And if they're like winning while Harden's resting, it's huge.
1: Houston's a little bit short. Like, Golden State's tall and Houston's short. They could change up their game. You know, Livingston could post up Paul easily. So could...
0: Um, play. I'm, I'm ecstatic if the Warriors are running Livingston post-ups. They do that. I know they do, and I'm saying I'm ecstatic. That's yeah. great. Do it. Yeah. Go, Sean Livingston. They'll, they'll take have to take your eight-footers. I'm happy about that. that.
1: In that specific, like, bench-v-bench play out. the Warriors got to like big boy, then that's the only advantage they have. I mean, Golden State can also not
0: sit Curry and Durant at the same time. Why do they do that? I don't really understand it. I think... I don't know why Curry does a lot of the stuff he does. I think he likes the defensive intensity that this lineup sets, and then the starters trickle back in and they keep playing hard. But I don't know what he does what he does. He has a lot of white, weird lineup choices. Um, the other thing that I'll put... The last thing I want to bring up with this series, because it's And then I want to talk about getting through. Clay has a broken thumb, which isn't being talked about as much as it should on his shooting hand. Um, They had first diagnosed it as a sprain, which leads me to believe it's like a very slight fracture on your thumb. But I still don't want to hear that my elite shooter has a broken thumb on his shooting hand. And, you know, he's going to come back for the playoffs. They've already said that. And he'll probably be fine, but... If he's not fine, that's a huge problem. We just talked about Golden State not really
1: having depth. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, moreover, you said that even though he's dancing at his birthday party, like, step back with the ankle injuries at, in addition to this. And it's like, the only way in the past that the Warriors have lost is by not really being healthy. They all played, but they weren't healthy. And, like, I already think Houston's kind of got a better team overall, or at least comparable. So I think when you're getting, like, you know, finals 2016 Steph is, yeah. like, hurt, and you're getting Clay not at his peak, then, then they're really overmatched by just a ridiculously deep and also star-studded Houston team.
0: I mean, that's the thing about this Warrior squad is, like, I mean, Durant was putting up huge numbers without Curry, but they were still losing games. And as, it just really seems like the more you watch this team, Steph is the most important person on the team. And if he's not cooking at, like, his highest degree, that's going to be a problem for them. And I know, like, Durant's weirdly a better player than Steph, but Steph is, like, more important. Steph's the heart, for sure. Well, he's, like, the culture. Like, everything they do is with the subtext of you can't let Curry breathe without someone in his jersey. Every time he screens for someone, it, the person's going to get wide open because you can't leave Curry for a half second. All this stuff. Like, that's the ecosystem that Durant lives in, not vice versa. Even when Durant's balling out in the finals against LeBron and was clearly the best player on the floor, Steph had to be there for that system to exist. You know what I mean? Definitely. So it's it's a weird dynamic, but they've kind of, in a way, it, it's very interesting to think about who's the better player on the team or who's the best player on the team. Because the way it's set up, they need both. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, any other shots on this, or I'm going to bop through. Uh, just to finish
1: that point, I mean, when Durant came in, it was not like we're going to make, make this Durant's team, even though he is, like, like you said, he was clearly the best player in last year's finals. Like, He's he a better the player team. than Steph. Yeah. He's Don't the most stop. efficient player in the NBA, aside from maybe LeBron, but LeBron has to shoulder more weight, so it's thrown off, but when Durant came, it wasn't... We'll make this your
0: team, too. It was, you fit so well in this team as it is. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Durant is he fits anywhere. Like, who doesn't... Like, any team in the league could put him in their starting lineup tomorrow and be way better. You can't say that about a lot of guys because they need the ball or they need this defensive coverage or whatever. Durant has no weaknesses and does everything efficiently and well. Yeah. He fits anywhere. Um, For sure. Yeah. Durant is for sure going to ball
1: these playoffs. I saw in Zach's notes, will Durant ball? Yes, is my answer. He's going to play ridiculously well. He's going to go, like, 30 and 20 every game.
0: I think he has that finals gear in him. And, like, that was really encouraging to see when Steph went out as Durant's like, all right, I'm just going to score 40 a game. I'm going to score 35 a game. Like, he can do that. He could average 35 a game if that was his priority. Oh, easily, yeah, for sure. Um, He hardly misses. Yeah. He basically took on the Harrison Barnes role and just excelled at it. Yeah. And then they just feed him more in the playoffs. Um, yeah, he'll he'll be fine. The Warriors, everyone says they'll be fine. I think they are going to have to bring it to an extent, and we'll learn whether they just had the light switch off or whether there are real problems with the team in the playoffs. But um, we'll see. Kerr Kerr seems like he has a plan. He's really letting the guys chill out during the regular season. Um, we'll see if they snap to it. Yeah. And as a segue, they're going to have to snap to it because this year in the NBA, in years past, Round one has been a joke, a formality. We had that awesome Spurs Clippers series one year, but usually like there's just a lot of crappy games that no one cares about. This year, I think like there's more parody in the NBA. Like I think there's like ten teams in the NBA that suck ass and are trying to lose. There's another six that inevitably couldn't make the playoffs. And the, the other like fourteen, the Warriors and Golden State are cut above, and you could argue Toronto are. I'm waiting to see them do anything in the playoffs before I'll say that. Um, I think there's a real chance of a huge upset in the spirit of UMCB or whatever the fuck, 16-seed B, <laughs> Virginia and destroyed my bracket. Like, I think you, this could be the year you see a 7-seed, a 6-seed win um, in the first round. Definitely. So I'm just going to read off really quickly the playoff matchups now, especially in the West, but also in the East. They're very subject to change. Um, Danny, I want you to pick who your favorite or out one upset would be. Um, it's Toronto, Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philly, Washington, Indiana, and in the East, Houston, New Orleans, Golden State, San Antonio, Portland, Minnesota, OKC, Utah, in the West. Okay, let me start at the East and I'm going to
1: have you give me the West again. Honestly, man, if... If it wasn't LeBron, if it was someone as good as LeBron, like another MVP who just wasn't LeBron himself, I would pick Philly over Cleveland straight up, because Cleveland is a bad team and Philly is a great team. That's still my upset, though. LeBron losing in the first round of the playoffs, even with you know four fifth graders as his teammates, is just <laughs> incomprehensible. Um, yeah, that's still my pick. That still seems most likely to me. Who is, who's Indiana have?
0: Indiana has Washington.
1: I mean, that's a crapshoot. They have to the me. same records, so right? It's, uh,
0: Not an upset. Yeah, it's more about. And who's Toronto have? Toronto has Miami, or they might get Milwaukee. They'll get one of Miami or Milwaukee. I could see
1: a Milwaukee over Toronto, just because like Toronto for sure is going to get absolutely lit up by
0: Giannis. Like the last four years in every playoff series, the Raptors have lost Game One at home. Like it just happens every year. <laughs> So, and usually they they figure it out and they come back and Kyle Lowry shoots 400 shots in the gym late at night alone with no one to rebound because he's, the, you know, like really bummed out and bounces back or whatever. They're, they're kind of getting the like, hey, Toronto's coming, like media treatment. And, you know, it feels like the same Toronto we've always known, but they've won five more games this year than they did last year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't this team seems the exact same, basically. Nothing's different. I mean, Ibaka's here now, and he's integrated. I'm not a big Ibaka fan. Yeah, Ibaka's, yeah. I think Dwayne Casey, who did a good job this year, he's going to have to really maximize how deep his team is, which is really hard in the playoffs. Because usually, like if you're, let's get an example of this. If you're Cleveland, you'll just run LeBron to the ground. You'll run your other four competent guys in the ground. You'll eke out minutes from some turds, and you'll be fine. Like that's the playoff adjustment. Play your stars more. Toronto doesn't have that adjustment. Like okay, they'll give a couple more minutes to Lowry and Rose. Their bench is the best part of their team. Their bench outscores other benches by like 30 points per 100 possessions. They're constantly winning those minutes all the time every game. Yeah, I think they're almost they
1: almost remind me of like the really good mid 2000s D-Rose Bulls teams which had the, you know, Kyle Korver-led bench mob. That was really what made them a threat. And, you know, I don't think... I think they only had first round the first-round exit with the injury.
0: Yeah, no, they, every year that Rose was healthy for the playoffs, they performed well until he started getting injured. Right. Yeah, but they never won it. And, like, I I don't
1: think a bench mob... I think, you know, it goes both ways because I think Houston could best... Golden State because they have a better bench, but I think a bench mob might get you to be the number one seed in the East, but I don't think it gets you very far in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So it's like, so like, let's say they're playing Milwaukee, right? And Toronto's like, all right, we're rolling out our like Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam. I don't know who the other two guys are off the top of my head. Uh, Jakob Purtle and uh, whatever fourth guy, CJ Miles. And it, like, Milwaukee's like, okay, Giannis, just keep playing the whole game. And now they're going against Giannis, and they used to be going against, like, the... <laughs> right. He to be going against the young, the Mahindis of the
1: world. Exactly. Giannis is going to... That's why I think that that would be a really hard draw for them, because Giannis is going to play, you know, 38 minutes of MVP caliber ball. Uh, he's
0: going to play, like, 44 minutes. Yeah. They'll just run him into the ground, because so they don't care. Yeah. He's, he's young and spry. Yeah. He'll, um, he's going to wreck them. That's for sure. I I think everyone in the East is vulnerable. (laughs) I'm with you where I, like, want to pick Philly over Cleveland. Because, and this is the point I was making to Nick when I wanted to bet Philly to win the East. Philly have two guys who need to be covered by bigs, who are modern players. That, like, like, who's a good... Like, you look at Simmons, you look at Embiid. First of all, there's no archetype to cover them, really. No one can guard Embiid. Second of all, like... None of these teams are set up to cover guys like Embiid. Like, Cleveland's centers are Tristan Thompson, who's like 6'9", and Larry Nance Jr., who's like 6'10". And they're athletic and they're quick. Embiid is going to eat them. Oh, he's going to destroy them. And then you've also got Ben Simmons, who I think LeBron just has to take the whole game. He will, for sure. But LeBron's been really mailing in defense this year, and I know he can go up 500 levels on that, but... Is that gonna tire out LeBron having to cover Ben Simmons the entire game and run the whole offense because spoiler there's no one else who can dribble on the team. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I really think Philly could win it honestly. They've
1: got so much energy right now. Cleveland is in a is in despair and
0: Philly's like hype, you know. Yeah. Philly Philly looks really I mean, they're young, they'll blow two games they shouldn't blow and that'll swing the series, but it's going to be really interesting seeing how teams deal with Embiid and Simmons in the playoffs. I think it's if you look at, I think it's fair now with how good Embiid and Simmons are to compare them to the Young Thunder. You look at that first time Durant and Westbrook and Harden made the playoffs together. They took, I think it was either like the Mavericks versus the Lakers. They took some like championship team like really deep in the series and like really fucked with them. And people were like, "Wow, these guys are going to be a problem." Yeah, I think Embiid also
1: is like. You know, it's hard to quantify who the best player in the NBA is because there's so many different criteria, and the people who you end up saying are the real, like, every facet of the game geniuses, like a Bron, yeah, like a Harden. But Embiid may be the most unstoppable player in the whole league. Like, so, when yeah. he's on, there's, even LeBron can't really stop him, because he's 7'2". Well, no, that's not someone LeBron can guard. Right. Um. But he might have to, because you think Tristan Thompson
0: or Larry Nance Jr. is exactly. going to guard him? This is my point. And then, okay, let's say they play Boston. Al Horford? Al Horford can kind of do it. but Embiid. But then who covers Simmons? Boston really stacks up poorly against Philly. I think they could still win the um, East, but... And then you look at Toronto. Toronto has the bigs, but it's also Toronto. Like, I
1: don't trust them in a playoff series. Dude, honestly, I would be down to put money on Philly to
0: come out of the East. How crazy would that uh, be? They won't. They're just not ready <laughs> yet. Like, this happened. This even happened to Steph's Warriors. That one year, they knocked out the Nuggets and they played the Spurs. They just, like, farted away two games because they didn't know how to exist in a super close playoff game. Like, they would just throw away turnovers or just crumble. Like, it's just tough. And you don't know who you are yet. I, I don't think they'll get them through. I just think... They're gonna really punch someone harder than they think they're gonna get punched in the series. But what they can do, like, it—they have, you know, I don't know.
1: It, it's never gonna be a mystery what they should do in a clutch situation. It's run a pick and roll, you know, like that's the Embiid Simmons pick and roll. The Embiid shooters. Simmons pick and roll with the shooters on the corners is like, yeah, it's just such a perfect set. Everyone can know it's coming, and
0: it's still it's nearly impossible to stop. Um, the other thing I want to talk about the East before we we hit the West. I think Boston is really vulnerable in like a very general sense in a playoff series. Let um, the record show we're one year removed from the Rajan Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, three Alphas Bulls team, taking two games off the Celtics in Boston. I was about to bring that series up <laughs> like, earlier. That was unbelievable. So they were not an iron wall before, and they added Kyrie, who is an excellent playoff player. But – you know, they're paying thirty million to a guy who's not healthy, that hurts your team. It's not their fault, it's just the situation. And right now they're gonna go into a playoff series counting huge on Tatum, Jalen Brown. Daniel Theis is now out, which is like a problem for them, which is a problem that it's a problem for them. Dude, honestly, I've always thought he's really dusty. it's it's gonna help. He's them. a he's rookie. Out. He's like an undrafted rookie. Like he's not supposed to be good. Um, and like smart and smart's a weird piece. Rozier, who I'm a big fan of, but you know, it goes on and on. They don't have, like, like, they go up against Embiid and Simmons and it's just Kyrie and, like, Horford. And Horford's a great player. He's also going to score 14 points a game. Yeah. Even if Kyrie's getting 30 for you, you're going to need big Kyrie's base out of Tatum and Brown. It, yeah. yeah. And this is the point I made, sorry, I'm going to say this really quickly. This is the point I made at the beginning of the season with Boston. Tatum and Brown had a very different outlook on the season than players who were supposed to be playing this many minutes in the playoffs. Tatum and Brown were, came into the season like, we're going to be behind a really good player. I'm going to go ham in summer league. I'm going to come in on my best foot forward because I want to earn 18 minutes a game on this team. Instead, Hayward goes down for the entire year and they're now like playing starters minutes. But those guys were going ham in summer league and they are not used to an 82-game season. Tatum just played a 30-game season. I think it's part of the reason Tatum exploded on the rookie wall for like two months um playoff basketball if they're already like really tired which they probably should be if they're human beings i i could see playoff basketball just gobbling them up i'd be very worried about how, like we always talk about the warriors oh my god they played 10 months of basketball the celtics guys have now played 10 months of basketball and are about to enter the playoffs um yeah. Which is tough. They did both go very hard in You just league. don't see summer league guys having to play in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing about Boston is it's the same point about Toronto. Like, I love Boston. And I it's funny because they're in this – I feel about them that I could see them coming out of the east. And they were my preseason pick to come out of the east. Yet, yeah. Yet I could see them making a first or second round exit just because, for all the reasons you said, but also just like – If there's one thing that's been proven time and time again in basketball in our lifetime, it's that more superstars means more championships. And Boston has two, and one of them can only drop, as you said, like 15 points a game. So I think like... Horford's a defensive... uh, He's a superstar, you have to appreciate his defense. He's a team player. Yeah. He's like a Draymond type, obviously different, but intangibles and stuff like that. But yeah, like... If Boston had to go up against Philly, I feel like they could lose that series, you know? I mean, the one thing is is that the coaching element, Brad Stevens is the best coach in the East by a incredibly large margin. That's true. And he'll coach the shit out of them. But yeah,
0: big question mark on Boston for me going into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, all right. Quickly with the Western Conference. I'm not going to make you pick an upset because the 3-10 through 10 teams are all the same rating. Or all the same record, basically. Yeah, bro. I don't have my phone. All right. Um. Yeah. Continue. Uh. So Houston and Golden State are one-two. Obviously. Do any? Do you think any of these teams could steal an opening round series off either of those teams? No way. I to me
1: like Golden State and the Rockets are unbeatable
0: by it. Basically anyone but each other. I yeah. See I so right now OKC's not in that situation. I think they just by star power alone could take a series off those guys. Um just Man. because Paul George always plays better in the playoffs and you get a good mellow game and whatever. Um I wouldn't bet on it though. <laughs> I think I know how bad San Antonio's looked. At the same time, it really looked like they're gonna miss the playoffs and they've ripped off like a bunch of important wins to get back in it. I think San Antonio drawing Houston in round one would be a really, really fascinating series. Because if you if you only followed the NBA for like the last five years, you wouldn't think too much about it. Like, so what? Dantoni, you know, blew the series against Pop last year. There is a rich history of Dantoni teams losing to Greg Popovich teams. Especially Dantoni teams that mauled the regular season and looked awesome. Um, I think D'Antoni just doesn't really have a counterpunch as far as, like, his strategy. He can just, like... Like, if things are going weirdly, he'll just, like, throw more shooting out there and just, like, double down, basically. Um, I, I think by Game 3 and Game 4 in the in a San Antonio-Houston series you might see some real problems develop for Houston, even though San Antonio's roster is just a turd in a punch bowl. Um, <laughs> and it's just pop. And pop does seem like he's in a different stage of his coaching career where like DeJounte Murray will throw a stupid pass and where he used to like ream Tony Parker out for 30 seconds. Pop will just like put a hand down and be like, whatever, like that was bummish. Um, but yeah, I still think that like Tony getting really tense and, like, making some weird decisions. That series could swing. This and if you put in... If you factor into that, maybe Kawhi's playing. Yeah.
1: I think... I don't know. I mean, I think San Antonio is the most likely team to upset any team in the West, because they're just, like... Pop just rips other coaches apart, and it makes it really hard for even a better team to win. Um, but I don't know. I think that... I don't know. I think sometimes... Part of it is ridiculous to be like, oh, these people want it bad because every professional athlete in their blood wants to win so badly. But I feel like the Chris Paul, James Harden desire plus like MVP plus MVP, former MVP caliber player vet is just not going to lose in the first round. Like no chance. They would do anything in the world to make that
0: not happen. I totally defend Harden and Paul. I will always shit on D'Antoni's like big game chops as a coach. Chris Paul also fallen apart in the playoffs this, before. And Harden has. Yeah. There's a lot of like collective baggage <laughs> in, on this team where like, if they go down, you know, they split games in San Antonio, or they split games in Houston, they go to San Antonio, they lose game three, now they're playing game four, and they have to win it in San Antonio. Like, I don't know what version of Harden, Paul, and... And D'Antoni, I'm getting like it might be like a really tense affair, and as great as the Rockets are, everything they do stems from the greatness of Harden and Paul. Right. It's not like the other guys are out there doing anything besides catch and shoot and team defense. No.
1: To your ecosystem point, it's a Harden ecosystem. True. With the Chris Paul twist. You know? Very true. Yeah. And,
0: and Paul Paul runs the show too. Like the Paul the non Harden Paul men's are still so awesome. Yeah. I mean, I
1: I don't know. I think you can take that two ways. Like I almost take that same evidence um about like, you know, there being such a history on this team of falling apart in the postseason and put it to the fact that like they're the number one in the West. They want to win the whole thing. They will do what it takes to win the series one. Like, I don't I don't think there'll ever be people as motivated as Harden and Paul to win the championship this yeah. year. And it's not the Spurs or this Iron Culture, right? The, the Kawhi Saga is just awful. Their team is so bad right now too. Like, it's pop, but it's like the worst pop. Pop ha- always has worse players than everyone
0: else, but it's it's particularly bad this it's year. It's particularly bad this year. Um, Yeah, I think we hit that well. Alright, I want to just talk really quickly about um something we were just talking about right before the pod. So, obviously, we grew up Bulls fans. We're huge Derrick Rose fans. This is, like, kind of the most depressing it's been to be a Derrick Rose fan. He's basically turned into an internet punchline. Um, He, at his peak, we can talk about him being a flawed player because he was, but he was still, I still think LeBron should win MVP of the year, Rose did, but you could definitely make the case that, that Rose... Is, was an MVP caliber player because he won one. And to just see him go from that to this in six years or whatever it's been is really depressing um, for a number of reasons. you know, It wasn't his fault to a lot of extent because he just got so many surgeries, got hurt so many times. He's just not the same mentally and physically, um, even though he he like chewed out a reporter recently for claiming that D-Rose wasn't the same physically. And he's just, like, a bad basketball player now. Like, you watch him play. He's a nothing on defense. He doesn't move the ball. He dribbles to the rim. He shoots inefficiently. And he's taking minutes right now from a guy, Tyus Jones, who I really like, who the team just plays better when Rose is out there instead of him. um, Or when Jones is out there instead of Rose. So, Danny, I guess, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's anything to say about this. Like, do you feel like there's any way, shape, or form Derek Rose can be a good NBA player again? Man, I mean,
1: I think it is just a really sad story. I'm happy for him at least that he signed the uh, 200 million guaranteed Adidas deal before Yeah, Derek all will be all right.
0: He's, he's banked 300 million between Shoe and, and, and NBA contracts. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I would just say, no. You know, I don't think he'll ever be very good again. And I just think like, I don't know, the psychological strain much more than the physical strain, I bet, would be my, you know, non-expert diagnosis on him. Like, I can't, tearing an ACL one time is so hard and to like, be well aware that your three torn knees has put you in like meme culture in a very negative way forever must be a very hard thing to deal with every time you play. Yeah,
0: and I, I think I think there's a couple of key things that don't always get talked about with him. Um, the first is that while he was injured, the game changed fundamentally. Like you look at who the title teams were when he went down. Um, his last really competitive year, because he was injured in the the playoffs, that the Heat went on to win their first title in. His last super competitive year was like. Kind of the beginning of the small ball like championship teams starting to win. So like 2008 to 2010, you have those Lakers and Celtics teams that started two bigs all the time. Like Garnett and, and Kendrick Perkins were starting and playing a lot of minutes together. Um, the Lakers rolled out two of Gasol, Odom, and Bynum a lot. Tim Duncan, there's another big with the Spurs, wasn't there? Yeah, and when the Spurs were in the titles. Even in twenty fourteen, yeah, they would do Duncan and splitter or right. Duncan and shooters. But th- that team played more pace and space. They they did figure out how to keep pace, uh, keep space with two bigs. But I mean, you w- we saw with the Heat and the Mavericks was a shift, and the game has changed so much in even the five years from then until now. Um, and you look at like point guards that couldn't shoot, like Rondo was on contending teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Parker is an infinitely better shooter than Rose, but can't really shoot. Um, Now it just feels like it really feels tough to build a team around a point guard who can't shoot. Um, Especially one that's also not going to play that much defense like Rose does currently. All defense is defense. You know, when he was younger, he was good and he was a piece of a really, really functional hole, obviously. But I think to get hurt the way he did and come back a worse jump shooter is partially on him. Like you have to adapt to the times. And, you know, you look at Westbrook, Westbrook always has that pull up 18 footer. He shoots a ton of threes at like 33%, whatever. That's not good. That's still better than Rose shooting a few at like 27%. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I just think Rose, I think the times kind of passed him by and I think he got worse at defense and shooting when he needed to get much better at those things
1: yeah no I think that's really apt um yeah, I think there's such a you know clear divide between like old school and new school basketball over the past few years, and it was like clearly existed with you know the evolution of players like Braun and like you're saying with the Spurs being early on the pace in space, but like when Golden State first let the threes fly, that to me is like a pivot point in n b a history It's like okay, well. Now there's no weird convention where we can only shoot so many threes, and we all acknowledge that three points is way more than two when you're adding up scores.
0: Yeah, I mean, Miami hucked. I think Miami hucked a lot of threes when they were winning titles. I think what, what the old school guys would say was the Heat had guys who'd go get a bucket in the paint when you need one. The right, Brown was scoring his clutch points in the paint. Yeah, as was Wade. And like that's different than the Steph and Clay Warriors where you didn't have a guy who's just going to go in the paint and get a bucket. The big and, shot was always a jump shot. Yeah. Yes. And I think that that worried people, obviously, you know, you play, you play the game enough at three points, bigger than two, everything. Um, what doesn't get mentioned in that calculus is that yeah, three points is bigger than two, but you do miss more threes than you miss twos um, because it's a lower percentage shot. The, Increase in points makes it worth it, obviously, but that means you're playing defense against the miss more than you would be if you're a two shooting team. Doing that in late game situations might freaks people out, might swing momentum, whatever. Yeah, I think another reason why
1: D Rose is so like woefully left behind too is because I think it was even when D Rose was an MVP, which again, LeBron, you know, anyone who follows the NBA would say that LeBron was a million times better that season, Um, and they just wanted to break up as MVPs for some reason. But it's because it was always a question of, oh, this guard should be able to shoot threes, and now it became they need to be able to pop, like, 35-footers legitimately because it just spreads the floor so much more when you have to guard a Steph or a Dame or a Kyle Lowry, you know, ridiculously deep.
0: Yeah, I think there's also a thing with Rose where, like, he's sort of constantly trying to get his mojo back and, like, forcing it. Like, you'll watch Wade play. And I think Wade was a smarter player than Rose always, but Wade, you know, can't shoot and can't move. Like, Rose is infinitely more athletic than Wade at this point in his career. But Wade will find ways to, like... Not that Wade is a good player right now. But he'll find ways to, like, lurk around the baseline or up fake and draw fouls or throw these good passes or whatever. Like, he's still as a veteran, uses his, like, game experience to get that. Rose, simultaneously, has a ton of physical miles and not a lot of game experience. I mean, he played, what, four full years? Yeah. I mean, in many ways, he's like a, you know, a fifth-year guy in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we hold him as this esteem as an MVP, but he played maybe one and a half to two seasons of MVP caliber ball. And, you know, I think he was much more... Because that was the year, basically, LeBron went to the Heat and no one wanted to give him the MVP and no one knew who to give it to. You could definitely argue that he was no better in those years than, like, I don't know, Karl-Anthony Towns is, or Anthony Davis is. D-Rose really rode the hype wave, you
1: know. He came in, he was a narrative his first two seasons, and he was so quick. He was so
0: young to be as good as he was. It was really, like... I mean, he was a great player to pull for too. He was a really humble kid. Played really, really fucking hard on every possession. He was also on the
1: Russ like crazy poster plays. Yeah, he, he was kind he of was, the first. He of that. was a wow guy yeah. to watch.
0: Um, and yeah, I also think like you know it's tough for a guy to psych himself up to play as hard as he possibly can when he doesn't trust his body, and it's clear that Rose doesn't. Yeah. Um. Anyway, just want to bring that up because it this feels like it might be his last NBA season. Because if like it took him a month to sign with the Timberwolves, and if this doesn't really pan out, and it's been awful, might be over. Then again, Tibbs might throw him a four-year, twenty million dollar deal for <laughs> to recreate the Bulls, but and then sign Noah or trade for Noah. But oh my god! But there's a real Let's see chance how that works this for is Doc Rose's Rivers' last uh, NBA run.
1: Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Injuries, I mean, that's the thing about sports. Injuries are are such a big part of the game. It's like, yeah.
0: I mean, everything seems like it's going to last forever until it doesn't with sports, right? Yeah. Everyone thought the Thunder was going to win titles. You know, everyone thinks the Warriors are going to win five more titles. Maybe they wash out this year. Iggy looks washed. You know, Steph breaks an ankle or something, and we're like, wow, maybe this is over. Yeah, I mean, or
1: just LeBron going to Houston will be like, a massive roadblock in the Golden State era. That would be an insane roadblock for any team to,
0: to surmount. Who would you pick? It's going to be tough to project out next year because the rosters will be different. If you got to trade P.J. Tucker for LeBron right now, straight up, who would you favor in a rockets Warrior series? I think the Rockets. I mean, for sure. Like... Yeah. I mean,
1: I don't know. That's the thing is like, in so that. You figure LeBron's better than Durant and Steph and Harden are comparable. Exactly. And I also think it's just like, I think when you match the star power of a team, then it becomes more about team basketball. And like, the Warriors are obviously the gold standard for team basketball. But like we talked about with our earlier excellence. They had such a bench mob to boot, and that's Houston this, these days, and it's not Golden State anymore. I
0: would be a little hesitant to favor the Rockets. and This is my big point for why LeBron and Simmons can't play together. It's not nearly as big a problem on the Rockets, but it is a thing. The key to making super teams work is having value off the ball. Like Steph has as much value off the ball as on it, as does Durant. Clay has more, right? I'd rather have Clay running off screens than holding the ball. Right. And you saw that with the Heat, right? Wade and LeBron both want to hold the ball to do their thing. They can't both hold the ball. LeBron, as great as he is, doesn't have as much off ball value as even Clay Thompson does because LeBron's, you know, a 37% three point shooter. It comes and goes. Um, he's obviously super dangerous cutting and being brilliant, whatever. And you'd still stand near him because of the swinging aspect and him driving, but, you know, it would be, first of all, it would be impossible for him and Simmons to play together. Because Simmons, if he's not holding the ball, becomes almost useless. Well, yeah, th- that would never work. It's two a, a very similar breed of players. Yeah, like, I, if Simmons isn't touching it, you'd want LeBron to hold it. And if Simmons isn't holding it, he's not a good player. Yeah. Um, With Paul, Harden, and LeBron, they're also smart. It would obviously work and it would work well. But, you know, how much do Harden and Paul get to touch the ball?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. But I just feel like... LeBron is a savant, and so are the other two guys. Like I think that those three are three of the ten, if not five, smartest players in the NBA. Absolutely. And, you know, Nick had his doubts about and Nick and many had their doubts about can Harden and Chris Paul share the ball? They both like to create offense through them and i get that they've negotiated a timeshare which wouldn't really work well adding a third piece to the timeshare but like the lesson i take from that is that when you have ridiculously smart players they figure it out they do and it totally works and lebron it's would awesome. be the first one i think of the 3 to be like i'm going to make myself the greatest off ball player you know i don't so if, i don't know about that
0: he can't he's not that great a shooter he's the worst shooter of the 3
1: right but i feel like LeBron loves to do the. Like my point is, he obviously still needs to touch the ball all the time, but he doesn't need to take it up. He could be almost as good, LeBron. I feel like catching a pass in the post or on the wing.
0: Yeah, making a second,
1: making a second pass. Or driving, or, you know, I, I don't think he needs to carry the ball all the time to, like, get his touches and get his mojo going. But
0: if Chris Paul's just walking up and throwing an entry pass, then why can't Chris Paul be anyone else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, obviously, they, it's more of a flow thing that you can't even put words on, that they'd have to figure it out. But I think that LeBron could, you know, get his touches and move it. I think Harden Harden's the player who I think needs to always, like, possess He's such a possession-centric
0: player. Yeah, I love the the fact that Harden drives and kicks to Chris Paul, and Chris Paul attacks an unset defense. That's unfair. You could say the same thing about LeBron. But you just have to wonder. I mean, what probably happens is LeBron and Harden hold it all the time, like a Wade LeBron setup, but even more efficient because Harden can shoot. And Chris Paul just kind of becomes a different player. But Chris Paul's old, and maybe that's what he has to do. Um, Chris Paul could easily be come take anyway, on a
1: more Tony Parker in the Glory Days role. You know,
0: They're just so different. Parker's such a quick guy, and Paul, I think, lost most of his athleticism. Anyway, I think, um, I, think I would still favor the Warriors because I think having off-ball value is critical to making these teams work, and I don't know what LeBron's off-ball value is. And Harden has a lot, but we are losing a lot of Harden if we're putting him off-ball. Um, whereas Steph, like, Steph can walk up, throw an entry, pass to Durant, go stand in the other corner, and he's still a fucking problem over there. Because if he backscreens for someone, it's like a three-person thing to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, and Harden could take a page out of that book easily. So, just as good a shooter. No. First of all, no one's just a good a shooter. Steph. That's true. No Second one's ball, as good as shooter. Harden's like a very good shooter. He's still not someone I want to run Clay Thompson like off screens.
1: No, right. It's he's more a, a field shooter. Right. He's a dribble and shoot.
0: Yeah. All right i think that wraps it danny yeah good pod thanks for having me on good to have you back that does it for this edition of the pulp Diction podcast granada edition um try and drop this you know late sunday early monday so that you guys have something to listen to and think about as we're waiting for next week of march madness to come back what an opening weekend um i love this every time of year march madness definitely watch some of that um but yeah good shit Hopefully, after Merch Madness is done, we'll almost be done with the NBA. We can get into the playoffs, which is when the real season starts. Um, But Anyway, thanks for listening. Look for other stuff from me. Take care.